there are many facets to horror. Yeah, that's it's and, one of the genres uh, that uh, comes in many different shades. And Scorn's definitely more about uh than anything else. Hey, there's a place for er. Some people love er. Well, who? Well, who does? Who likes er? Let's let's get this answer. Let's ask the tough questions. Who likes er? Who likes er? There's, there's, there's sicko. There's sickos out here. There's plenty of sickos in the audience. Who watches a Serbian film? Oh, that one's a that's a big uh, that's a don't big do that. Uh. Yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm talking about responses to horror as a genre chat. <laughs> I was saying, you know, mostly you want horror to be like Ugh! or just sort of uh, sort of unnerving. I like how the genre names are just a bunch of consonants. But some horror is just. Ugh! And I wonder who's actually who prefers over the other kinds of horror. Yeah, Vince DeJulius says woo versus boo. I like that. I like uh versus ooh. Well, who's watched? Who's going to watch horror and go ooh? Oh, uh, um, uh, people should be put on a list. Yeah, that's 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 an exciting sound. Yeah. That's uh, ooh. I'm looking forward to this sound. <laughs> anyway, we should probably introduce things. Yeah. I'm Yartik Rojo, I'm joined by Marty Sleever, and this is Slightly Something Else, the live podcast where we talk about whatever's borderline relevant. <laughs> and uh, since October has begun, mm -hmm. we will be addressing the subject of ookie spookies and dibbly griblies, the horror genre generally, and specifically how not to do it. Because I've, I've long said many times that video games, my genre of choice, are particularly well suited to horror. Yeah, you, you've said that's like the best medium for horror, or your favorite medium for horror, at least. Yes, right? and you've—I seem to remember you disagreeing with me on that. Yeah, I made a uh noise after you said that. Yeah, I don't say uh. You should say <laughs> ooh. I—I <laughs> I do think video games are the best for horror. Or it might—it might be the easiest for horror, because. Most horror movies and shit has to spend time getting you invested in the protagonist so you can feel sort of like proxy fear from their danger. You don't mm -hmm. really need to put the work in for video games. We're already invested. We're the protagonist. We're right in there. And if we die, we have to start all over again. Yeah, it's funny. That's that's interesting. That was one of the one of the things I was thinking about when I, I was thinking why uh, long form horror in like either TV shows or in books work for me sometimes a lot more than video game horror is the is that reason but sort of the opposite view is that um not a lot of horror games invest the time to getting you to give a shit about the main character I, other than i am the main character but like mm. i don't know that whole the whole gordon freeman thing doesn't really work on me in games like i would much rather have a defined character than a blank slate that i put myself in well that's fair that enough sense. yeah i think you know it depends what the game's uh, intentions are yeah, yeah. But I'd say video games are so good at horror, sometimes they do it without even trying to be horror. I mean, look at uh, The Sun in Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, yeah. There's horror, like, one, an interesting thing about horror is that when it comes to, like, movies and TV and stuff, usually things are pretty well-defined as horror or sci-fi mm -hmm. horror or something like that. Whereas with games, you can have plenty of, like, I remember plenty of moments, like you mentioned, The Sun in Mario 3 or the first time you encounter the eel in Mario 64, like, when you're swimming underwater or, like, going to the bottom of the well in Ocarina of Time and having those yeah. creepy kind of, like, mummy dudes jump on you. Um, you know, plenty of non-scary games that have scary elements to them. And even, like, 
in those examples, there is sort of supposed to be the implication of threat. But then I think of games like Echo the Dolphin, where you're uh -huh. just alone in the middle of a vast sea and you're not sure uh, what's going on, like the great depths below you. That, that always created a great sense of unnerving horror for me as well. Some yeah, people bringing up Sonic's drowning theme. Oh yeah, which is uh, <laughs> I think that's like an early uh, an early PTSD that a lot of people have who grew up uh, playing those games. And yeah, I mean, loneliness in in games mm -hmm. can can induce that. Like uh, in games like Outer Wilds or or uh, Subnautica, like or even being something out like either. even something like Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, can create that sense of lonely isolation. And then oh shit, there's an Enderman run. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and uh, you know, games they they do it through obviously through through sort of that gameplay feel, but also you know, there's there's a lot of games where I'd say some of the some of the best horror is is done through music. Like I, I don't mm. think uh, you know, Silent Hill would be what it was without Akira Yamaoka's score. Um, Absolutely not. I think a lot of yeah. uh, horror is atmosphere, and a lot of atmosphere is sound. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of an early way to. You know, when you couldn't have the highest fidelity visuals, you could still have, you know, these really great ebbs and flows with with soundtracks. And I think that's one important thing to what one I guess one tough thing with games compared to again movies or anything is like movies uh, are are very uh, methodically paced. You can you can have the ups and downs, the highs and lows. You could choose when to uh, give the audience a sense of calm and then pull the rug out from under them. Whereas in, you know, with games, if if games are more open to player choice. Um, the author might not have that kind of control, but, you know, there are those moments like, you know, if we're just sticking to like the, the sort of the, the groundworks or even like the early horror that, that stands out to us like Resident Evil or, or Silent Hill, you know, having the save room with its, its, its soothing music, even though, you know, like this is your one like place of solace in this mansion or, you know, a room in, in Silent Hill where you can jot down and save on a notepad and knowing that in theory, nothing's going to hurt you um, mm. really helps kind of give you a moment of reprieve before having to go back out in hell again yeah and uh so to get onto the topic of how not to do horror uh -huh. in video games specifically i've always thought video game horror tends to suffer when it tries to like use the language of cinema and, okay uh, what that usually means is jump scares yeah and um i want to be clear i don't think jump scares are an inherently bad thing no. I put I think they are to horror what the fart joke is to comedy or the classic uh, saucepan to the face take is to comedy. Yeah. It's it's effective. It can help build the atmosphere you're trying to build, but it shouldn't be, you know, the only string to the bow. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny cuz there are a lot of games where that is the only string to the bow and they've become some of the most successful games, you know, with well, probably sure. a younger audience than us, I would say, but you think, look at like five nights at Freddy's or, um, you know, even something like Slenderman, uh, those games that really like popped in the early days of, of Twitch and YouTube let's plays and stuff. Um, well, this is, this is, a, this is possibly just a me thing, but I think a jump scare that you're anticipating is sort of uh, the jump scare having already failed. And what usually happens in those situations, when there is like all about the jump scares, like a Five Nights at Freddy's, like a paranormal activity, people don't really get invested beyond the jump scare. They get creeped out, they get anxious, they get scared, and then boom, a thing jumps out, and then they just instantly forget about everything that's happening. So, oh, I guess we can relax. Da -da 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 -da. 
I think for me, good horror is something that needs to stay with you. Uh, like yeah. the, the classic Lovecraft and Poe thing, like just these horrifying concepts that are more horrifying the more you think about them. Just having a thing that goes jump out, like those classic Newgrounds Escape the Room flash horror games, where they yeah. just they'd literally just like steal a Google image search image of a Halloween mask and have it appear yeah. for a brief second and play a sound of someone yelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes you jump, but you stop thinking about it instantly. Yeah, where there's, uh, I think I brought this up before, there's that famous Hitchcock quote of, uh, there's no terror in the bang, only in the anticipation of it. Um, exactly. And I feel like games, yeah, games that rely on the bang, it, it's, it, it's, it's, the, it's like trying to get your daily caloric intake through candy. Where it's like, well, in theory, it'll get you there, but it's probably not good for you. Like, this isn't something that's going to stick with you. You just might have a stomach ache the next day. It's not the kind of horror you're going to be, like, having trouble getting to sleep because you're still rattling around in your head. Yeah, it's the reason why I hold Silent Hill in such high regard. Silent Hill mm -hmm. 2 has no jump scares. It no. has what? It, well, it has one, but it's kind of optional. There's a, there's a prison toilet, and uh, if you go up to the prison toilet door and knock on it, press the button to use james does a little knock on it and then i don't think i think it's even like if you just leave it alone then nothing happens but if you'd like press it again to knock on it and again nothing happens and then after you've done that as you're walking away from it you hear something yell and throw itself against the other side of the door with astonishing ah. force yeah and that's the so, only jump scare in Silent Hill 2. Check it out. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, you can play with that idea. Like, I'm I, I streaming through Silent Hill 1 on my personal channel, and that has a thing when you first get into, like, the nightmare version. Well, you get into the regular version of the school, and you, you hear, like, a rattling on a locker, and you open it, and it's just a cat. And yeah, then are, when you get into the nightmare version. Scares. There are jump scares in Silent Hill 1. <laughs> yeah, but that in the nightmare version, you go to that same locker, you open it expecting a jump scare, and it's just filled with blood. Yeah. And then it's only when you're walking away that, like, a body falls out of another locker. And it's yeah. sort of the, I guess, subversion of a, yeah, fake out of a, of a jump scare, which actually works relatively well. I've played a few video games where the jump scare thing doesn't really work because of the interactivity. Like, uh, I forget the exact games, but uh, it happens in games like Alien Isolation or any any number of those, like, first-person slender rip-offs that you see in the indie sphere. Yeah, but, uh, there'll be a there'll be a jump scare and a flash of something of a, like a monster, and the audio will go freak the way jump scare audio does. But mm -hmm. on this particular occasion, I wasn't looking at the thing at the that thing. jumped out. Yeah. I was I was like inspecting a wall, and the soundtrack just goes freak, and I'm like, what? What the hell was that? Yeah, what was this supposed to be a very scary post-it note I'm looking at? Yeah, and in in a similar way, like you know, we have Alien Isolation in the thumbnail, and I think that's a that's a pretty divisive example because I think a lot of people hold divisive. it divisive. Uh, yeah, and they hold it. Did I, what did I say? Divisive. You said divisive. That's that, what, maybe that's how we pronounce it, Wisconsin. They, you're going to get to Wisconsin next year when you film uh, Adventures Night Season Three live, and you're going to be like, oh man, oh, oh all are we filming Adventures Night Season Three live? Are we? Is that we are, why? Look at us. Is that why there's a big old banner on the top of the stream? with a big bar saying 81 days to make $7,500. And I should probably have mentioned earlier that all your donations on this stream today will go towards that goal. Come on, gang. Let's get to at least 10% today. Yeah. I noticed the we'll super chats are coming in. We, As usual, we will be reading them out oh, at the halfway point. But uh, yeah, absolutely. don't stop now, kids. You're doing us proud. <laughs>
um th- uh, with me i thought alien isolation um it made a really great first impression and then it a overstayed its welcome and b um the, the whole once you started to understand the horror in the game it became like a mechanical puzzle which to me wasn't scary like it just became sort of a frustrating okay let me like think how this ai is going to work and let me try to sort of fool it into getting my way out and, yeah. and at that point when you're seeing kind of like how the sausage is made or the or the strings behind the mechanisms it um i don't know it just doesn't uh that's the other thing that's the other thing that's the other thing that can like kill horror in a video game if you start figuring out how the how the mechanics work uh, if you can start like getting a, uh, a certainty over what you need to do to avoid certain things like i think it was some horror game i played a while back it did the thing where you know uh it spawns horror horrific things around you but the game only like sort of reacts to it once you look directly at it to sort of yeah. like get around the problem i mentioned earlier where the the jump scare happens while you're not looking at it so yeah. this this game like only has the jump scare play when it detects that you're looking directly at it but what i found playing that game was that if you if you stare at the wall and just walk right up to the wall and stare straight at it you can pretty much get through the entire game without getting jump scared by anything because the game doesn't know what to do <laughs> because they never expected someone to be so weird yeah. and just be like wow oh, you could break the game this way yeah the same way you can you can prevent i think it's in resident evil 4 you can prevent enemies spawning behind you by walking backwards down the corridor because they oh, can't spawn while they can't spawn while you're looking at them yeah yeah so yeah uh, yeah it's a game i've played recently called the mortuary assistant which was like supposed mm-hmm. to be a game you're supposed to play over and over again but as i said in the review you do start to get a feeling like you understand how the mechanics work like yeah once we've gotten past this stage of the of the uh, autopsy uh there's either this this or this is going to happen and you start sort of expecting it and that's what mm-hmm. you don't want and it also had a number of sort of like fairly long uh you know, effort scares where you hallucinate yourself in a dingy apartment, remembering your past life as a heroin addict. And once that's happened, once uh, every subsequent time it happens, it's just annoying. It's like, can I get back to autopsying this corpse, please? I know what to do. I've been yeah. through this. Yeah, that's an interesting. Like, it's it's funny because it seems like those things work well in the when you experience them the first time but if the game is mm. built around you kind of replaying it to see other different endings or to which you know, video games often are yes yeah yeah um yeah I've, i'm curious like what is it what's your thought we, we've talked about this, this topic not not necessarily in horror in the past but um you know games do, do you think horror in games work better in sort of long form you know things like a you know like a resident evil or a silent hill or i think um, it works best evil within or in short short spurts well, I think it works best if you, uh, in the long form setting, it works best if you're doing more sort of atmosphere building, sort of, you know, the sort of creeping dread thing that Silent Hill 2 does, the sort of slow reveals of uh, the uh, truth behind the horror and all that. Mm-hmm. But if you're making a short horror experience, uh, which is a very popular genre on itch.io yeah. and indie games generally, uh, then yeah that can work better if you've only got a couple of ideas to throw out there's a lot of like prolonged horror games that fail because they only had a couple of ideas and they should really have been a short horror game 
If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yeah, yeah. It it is funny that they can work. I feel like so many of them, a lot, like a lot of the indie games that end up really popping, whether it's again Five Nights at Freddy's or or even like recently the Mortuary Assistant. Um, it's it's kind of the same thought of a lot of times the most profitable movies we have even nowadays still are horror movies, like the movies that still are able to make a decent amount of money on a small budget in theaters are horror movies. I mean, that's because there's still sort of a communal nature to horror in general. People like, like we, horror because it creates an immediate reaction, I suppose. Yeah. People and especially like, if you're seated around other people, then it, yeah. it, it does that same thing. People go to like movies and play games and experience the arts generally because they want to have these sort of emotional reactions. And horror is the easy way to do it. I mean, the hard way is to get you really invested in the characters and really yeah. like uh, sympathizing with their struggles. And uh, that, and then you like, that, that can get you like, pinned to the chair when there's a really exciting scene happening yeah yeah i mean horror is also i mean since long before we were born horror has always also seemed like kind of like a a rite of passage genre like um you know kids would finally be like all right i'm old enough to see this or i'm not old enough to see this and i'm gonna sneak in to see this and yeah. i imagine it was the same way with universal movies in the, the 30s and 40s and obviously in slasher movies and, and i guess horror uh, also horror also speaks to the the natural curiosity for the unknown so the, the yeah. natural curiosity and at the same time fear of the unknown that is like you know a standard feeling that people have i mean all like yeah. the the emotions that we have that art is designed to stimulate they all have like very deep-seated roots in our biology and uh, mental development as a species i mean fear yeah, is yeah. like the oldest feeling of all it's like oh shit this thing's gonna kill me better leg it yeah, and that was like genuine fear of if I don't do this, I'm going to die. And whereas now it's yeah. you know a manufactured fear where if you it's manufactured, play through but amnesia, it's, you're not going to die. It's manufactured, but it triggers the same things in the brain. And it and yeah. with these triggers, we feel alive. That's the point of art. Yeah. Well, and it's I don't know. Again, I think it's telling that these have become uh, uh, such a popular genre in in let's plays and streamers because. I know a lot of people in the same way that they don't, they, they're scared of watching horror movies, but they love reading the Wikipedia descriptions. Um, yeah, I know people who, yeah. yeah. And I, I know people who've done the same thing with, with horror games of being like, well, I wouldn't, I don't want to play it, but I'll watch, I'll gladly watch, you know, let's plays yeah, people play like, through the Silent Hill games or PT or something. Um, like I love watching, uh, like this is on my mind because one just got recommended, but I like watching Ryan Hollinger's uh, horror movie reviews on YouTube. Yeah. And pretty much every time I watch one, I have to go to Wikipedia and read the plot synopsis. Yeah. But I'm it feels like that's the only genre that really works, right? People don't do that with, like, comedies and action movies. And I guess you don't get the... Well, uh, you can't... well as as we say, you know, it, uh, the short indie game uh, market is rife with horror. Lousy with horror games. Short horror experiences. And uh, I'd say, like, the whole concept of creepypasta is mm -hmm. uh, based around, like, short horror fiction. And people like these 
little uh, snacky bites of horror because it's because some people i guess a lot of people don't have the stomach to get fully immersed in something like that i mean it could be as simple as uh, some people are just too chicken shit to go through it themselves and go through a full horror experience themselves and that's why the let's plays are so popular Mm -hmm. but is i don't know if you want to like read more into that like we like to see people go through a horror experience because of our natural curiosity for the unknown but it's nice to have a hand to hold to let you know you're safe in the form yeah. of a, a let's well, player and there's a um i guess de- defending your point earlier of of how horror games can be more effective than movies and tv like you have to consciously make the decision in order to go through a door well that's horror, that, that's the essence of it for me yeah you have, you have to make movie, decisions you're gonna do it anyways your, you have to make decisions and it's you sort of at risk if your character dies and your character yeah. can die because in the back of your mind watching a horror movie you know like the main characters aren't gonna die hmm. uh, because then there wouldn't be a film anymore but in a video game you don't have that assured assurance you're you're alone yeah. you you ain't got no plot armor you're alone yeah. against the danger <laughs> that's true that's true and a lot of the you know uh obviously it's not uh we're not gonna be the first people to talk about this but like early horror games kind of used the um uh, uh use their their limitations to their advantage you know whether it was um you know the the controls and camera angles of resident evil or inventory of resident evil or even um displaying like the silent hill city open worldly parts with that intense fog like because they can render the whole thing at once and so you fog to like create an incredibly effective you know atmosphere and then uh, that was yeah that was that was a natural you know response to the hardware limitation that was a mm-hmm. rare case of just all the pieces falling in place i suppose yeah yeah and smart you know again using using smart ways like uh, mm-hmm. uh the the you know the static on the radio and everything when um you know when enemies nearby and and mm-hmm. having that be the thing that clues you in because the draw distance is so you know yeah and never scanned. never never getting a good look of the things you're fighting i mean even when you do yeah. get a really good look at the monsters in silent hill 2 for example they're usually so weirdly proportioned and their textures are so like muddy and weird you don't not entirely yeah. sure what you're looking at it could be something covered in horrible flesh or it could be just the dude wrapped in a tarpaulin and covered in filth yeah yeah so whereas silent hill one um like in my opinion didn't didn't have any single iconic um you know enemy it has like you know the babies with the knives and the weird nurses and stuff like silent hill 2 obviously introduced pyramid head which ended mm. up that you know feels like that's probably all, the most iconic yeah. Pyramid Head, who shows up all the time in Silent Hill things now, even though he was only supposed to be Be a representation of this one dude's guilt. Yeah, yeah. It's become like the mascot of Silent Hill, right? Like when they add a Silent Hill thing to like Dead by Daylight or whatever. Yeah, and I've always felt that's kind of missing the point to make him into like a mascot. Yeah. Because, you know, every inch of Silent Hill 2's visual design is uh, tied to the plot. It's all like symbolic of the main character's struggle. Mm-hmm. That's why they were sexy nurses. They were representative of James Sunderland's sexual frustration. Yeah. But then sexy nurses kept showing up from that point forward because, you know, it's iconic. But uh, this is uh, getting off the point somewhat. This is me, just me airing my usual Silent Hill series gripes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? 
What do you think? Because the other thing that just occurred to me, talking about never getting a good look at the monsters, the other reason why short horror games do so well is because once you reveal the monster, that's sort of like the climax already over with. Yeah, that's it. You've kind of, you've kind of like uh, that was your money shot, like the yeah. the monster, and and right. again, once you see it, it becomes uh, it it becomes way less effective, I guess. Um, Although you know, this so is an area. This is an area of debate, I think, because um, I think it was Clive Barker who was saying that you know the concept that once you see the all of the monster, the horror is over is sort of uh, something that people hold up as like almost biblical canon when designing horror but uh he yeah. tended to disagree and if you look at his, his stuff like clive barker's jericho and his other stuff mm -hmm. and hellraiser as well i suppose um he was he he was never fucking shy about putting no on not display. at all yeah but but the more you, you saw like the horrible visual design of his characters then i guess i agree that uh it was more effective to see more of that in that context because there's something very upsettingly clinical about hellraiser there's these dudes yeah. all like uh their heads just like covered in a perfect grid of nails and they're like hey sup this is just yeah. my this is just you know what i wear to go to work yeah yeah there's like a there's a beauty and it's like yeah. like literal representations of hell in pinhead that's very um, clark barker isn't it the, the horror yeah. and beauty sort of at the same time yeah I think it, well, I guess it was what the late seventies and then in the eighties where like the the monster became came the mascot, but I guess that was the same in like the early Universal movies. But you know, um, in in Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and you know the rise of slasher movies in the eighties, like the the they didn't want to hide the monsters because mm -hmm. those were the selling points. Those were the things they could almost sell merch on and they could, they could, you yeah. know, uh, they could, they could have all the sequels, um, sort of lean on to, uh, it was the, it was the first alien movie that was all about don't show the monster. And part of that was yeah. the costume just looked kind of cheap. <laughs> they yeah. I mean, that's of it. And the same, that was like the shark and jaws, the same thing. Like they were like, yeah. this looks really fucking stupid if we have this on screen all the time, so we can't do this. And so, you know, when it finally does pop out of the water, when he's throwing the chum in, you get that one quick shot. Like mm. you don't have long enough to really dissect it and be like, well, that looks really rubbery because that, you know, they've been building it up for an hour and 15 minutes. And so when it happens, it legitimately does feel scary. There's the horror of the unknown and there's the horror of the known. Why don't we put it like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really that's a that's a really good way to put it. You might call out the difference between psychological and just full on run away. There's a monster horror. Yeah, yeah, and then there's also it's it's when they show the horror. What do they give you? What can you do with it? Mm. You know, are do are you able to completely destroy it? Uh, can you only you know immobilize it and then run away, or are you mm. completely powerless? And you need to just run away. And so it seems like, you know, again, there's no right or wrong answer, but you have those kind of tiers where, like, you know, you can't do yeah. shit about it in a game like Amnesia uh, and in Resident Evil or, or um, Silent Hill. You can do stuff about it, but the limitations of, of ammo and everything means sometimes the best option is to just run away. For some reason, I'm thinking of the Stuart Gordon movie From Beyond, mm. which was, I think, a wonderful case of, well, what the fuck are we supposed to do about this sort of horror? Yeah. And it's all there. Like this dude comes back from the hell dimension and he's like a he's like a giant worm with bloaty bits with the, the human mm. face on the end 
and ev everything around him turns like horrific and weird and hot pink for some reason and the whole the whole film like you just have to go well now what <laughs> i mean is that is this thing even here how do we kill it yeah yeah i mean the thing um, like it has to have some kind of weakness like or, yeah. like like i guess horror has to have some sensation that like you're gonna be able to overcome this thing one way or another like even yeah we, I mean, like I the movie the thing uh yeah. has that same thing where like they they eventually kind of develop a system for how they're gonna suss it out and what they're gonna do with it but then it's still the struggle of how they're gonna actually like, fucking do that i'm thinking of movies like funny enough a lot of lovecraftian movies um, i'm thinking mm -hmm. of uh, in the mouth of madness uh necronomicon the adaptation which is yeah, a very, yeah. very, very disturbing film, and uh, a lot of that gives the sense of like there's no hope at all. Like here's this shit, we're trapped by it, and we're all fucked. Uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness gave me a similar mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of yeah. a video game that gives me the same feeling, the same sense that uh, this is just the way things are now, and we're fucked. I guess Scorn kind of does that, okay. although you know that's ahead of release, so forget I said that. Wait, wait, wait for my review. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. Games where you have no, well, that, where you get a sense that you have no hope of getting away from this. But yeah. in the way, you know, a video game you're supposed to be like striving to win, so you, that's a difficult thing to balance. Yeah, I guess like PT, a little bit. Like you have no, you have no weapons. You have, you have nothing to yeah. combat these things. I guess with PT. PT is a, PT is a game about figuring out the fact that you can't escape and you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah, and it uses instead of just sort of glomming like whereas Resident Evil kind of shoehorned puzzles. I like I like the puzzles in Resident Evil, but it's very strange when you think about them. Like, why why do I need to find these weird lion heads in order to open up this bathroom? I tend to um, think of the puzzles in survival horror games. This is something I'm gonna touch on in my next extra punctuation, actually, which will be about adventure style puzzle design. Oh, nice. is that the inventory puzzles in those games are more sort of the framework that gets you moving from room to room so that the game can give you the opportunities for horror mm -hmm. it's more like it's the thing that's that's incentivizing you to explore so that they can throw monsters at you while you're exploring it's the points on the the, the graph i suppose yeah that yeah I, I, that makes sense do you uh do you think puzzles can work well in horror like uh, like they do with uh adventure games or do you think well this is another thing i touch upon in my upcoming okay. but puzzles if you like use the puzzles to sort of push the narrative push the tone of the thing that's something a lot of games have done very effectively uh the example i cite in my upcoming video is in silent hill 2 of course um most of the time the puzzles are kind of dumb in that game it's like one of the few you know kind of lame aspects of that game yeah. but one of there's a puzzle in that game where you have to use uh, a hook on a piece of line to get something out of a hole in the floor mm -hmm. and the only thing you can use for the line because you could think you could just use like a piece of string or an extension yeah. cord or in it or anything but the only thing the game lets you use is a length of human hair that you find inside a box that's been locked with like five different locking mechanisms yeah, and the box uh, is found in the bedroom of a dude who, according to documents, was grieving his lost daughter. Oh God! 
<laughs> yeah. So that would yeah. be a great example of using a puzzle to sort of reinforce the tone of the game. Yeah, because that could elements. very easily be a puzzle you roll your eyes at, but yeah, you explaining it, that, I'm like, oh shit, that's that's actually pretty heavy. Because in terms of mechanics, it could have just been find the key to open the door. Mm -hmm. But it didn't. It used the nuts and bolts of the puzzle to tell a little story in itself and reinforce the tone. And there's plenty of puzzles yeah. in Silent Hill 2 that don't do that very well. Horseshoe, Wax Doll, Lighter springs to mind. But that is a really good example, I think, of a puzzle. Those sound like keywords to make you assassinate a president. But yeah, like in the Manchurian <laughs> Yeah, sorry anyone who was hypnotized with that specific combination of words. If the ambassador to the UN is shot in the next few days, you'll know who to blame. Um, yeah, and I also... Uh, the I, I you know we mentioned um the horror moments in non-horror games like the use the sun in mario or ocarina of time i think horror is also like a really strong um secondary genre um mm -hmm. and i i think it it uh when used kind of sparingly or used as set dressing i think it could be really effective whether it's in like a you know yeah. traditional jrpg like um parasite eve or in a third person third person shooter like uh you know it's control definitely... or even in death stranding it's definitely more of a theme than a you know a genre in the yeah. video game in the video game sense, and yeah, yeah thinking, thinking about it, you could you could definitely apply basically any video game genre or gameplay mechanics to the horror theme. Yeah, there's been you know whether it's uh, you know we have plenty of two D platformers like Limbo and and mm -hmm. uh, you know Inside or uh, big. 3D character action games like Bloodborne has its horror elements uh, at the, yeah, you know, totally. RPG, uh, uh, yeah. you know, pu uh, puzzle games. All um, right, what about, his, uh, let's go for the, some tough ones. How about real-time strategy? Are there any horror real-time strategy games? I mean, interesting. I, not that I can think of, no. Or um, management games. Would you call Dungeon Keeper a horror management game? Yeah, I guess it's less scary and more of like it's in the horror genre, or like it's 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 theme or it's like its themes are in horror, but it's not scary. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like a horrific setting, I suppose. Yeah, but, but without being scary or unnerving. Yeah, are there? There's games like great. Isn't there like graveyard management games? And I don't yeah. play a lot of those games. I'm there's graveyard, like graveyard keeper. keeper. That's, I think that's more of a, like a Stardew Valley life sim style thing. Yeah. What was that? Uh, was, wasn't there like a Sweeney Todd kind of game you played recently? Oh, yeah. Ravenous Devils. Yeah. Yeah. Again, um, yeah. Very horrific themes. But I'm not much, scary. I, I call it unnerving. It certainly yeah. unnerved Nick when he was watching me play it and he was watching was like, me why like, the fuck did I sign up for this? Yeah. Me feeding dudes into the, into the mincer because that game actually has really unflinching animations. Yeah, like you do put a human corpse on the like the steak making table, and your character just goes merrily chopping away, <laughs> off with the legs, all beautifully animated, off with yeah. the legs, off with the limbs, like just Is, sweep, uh, sweep it all into the bin. In a in an example like that, do uh, uh, do you just grow numb to it at a certain point? Like, does it just become a mechanic in the same way that like I guess? The, but the, when you realize you grow numb to it, that sort of adds another element of horror. It's mm -hmm. like whole, like your friend walks in and goes, "What the fuck are you playing?" 
And you're like, this, no, is, no, no, this normal. is normal. This is yeah. normal. Come and join us. This is why you watch anime with other people in the house. Because you got to explain I've... it. Once you got to explain it, he's a weirdo. I feel like we've got to go to super chats because there's so many to get through. There are a lot of super chats. This was a yeah. this was a this was a great combo rife for super chats. You guys already were over a, over a thousand. I was hoping we'd Holy. crack the thousand on the goal today. I hope we crack three thousand. So you guys just have two more thousand by the end of the stream. Yeah, hop to it. Well, I want to get us to at least. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say there, but uh, well, we're very nearly at 15%. I think we're definitely going to get to 15% Heck yeah. pretty soon. But yes, get your Super Chats in, because this is where we read them out. Starting with Eric Cartman for $5, who seems to be what E1 Crazy for Life is for the ZP stream, in that he always seems to be getting his Super Chat in first on the slightly something else. It was impressive. Very impressive, Eric Cartman. And Eric Cartman asks, how do you market horror subtly? The psych horror tag on DDLC's Steam page is a dead giveaway, but no one would have been interested if it wasn't there. DDLC being Doki Doki Literature Club, yeah. which is a interesting example in that it's a anime waifu uh, dating sim that is actually a horror game, and uh, yeah, does, doesn't and that, reveal itself to be such for quite a ways. And in. I mean, it is a it is a great point that eric brings up because in or like i wouldn't have played that if people hadn't told me that i should play it because it turns out to be a really effective horror game but no, how do you keep that close to the vest you know yeah well ddlc got away with it because it was a free game i mean you can't you can't really yeah li lie about your game's content and then charge money for it that's that's fraud yeah i think with that it's ultimately kind of word of mouth or it's like having either a, a friend yeah. you trust or a, you know a critic you trust say hey go into this as blind as you can but um if you like horror yeah. this is something you can check out but yeah in terms of like actually um like having it have genre tags on a steam page yeah i don't know yeah. how you avoid that yeah well you gotta sell it for free apparently that's yeah, the best you can so. do so no one yeah. can complain uh, Ray Zach gives $5 and says, I don't play horror games, but I love watching other people play them. As we were discussing earlier, what game yeah. do you think is best for backseat gaming? Well, you know who you should ask about that? Girlfriend Reviews. That's true. Who we were going to cross over with at some point, but I guess that fell through. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't do much backseat gaming. I'm usually the one doing the gaming while other people backseat. Yeah. I know a lot of people, you know, you can get a lot out of... Um, you know, sort of the adventure games or choose your own adventure gamey kind of stuff, whether it's, you know, Telltale games or even like Until Dawn, which I think is a pretty solid example of a recent horror game. Um, I guess that is very me, effective in what it does. I only really got into Dark Souls after I backseat watched someone uh, Let's Playing it. And so, you know, so I actually got a grasp of what how you're supposed to play the game. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I just anecdotally, a lot of people did from our, from, you know, our sort of emphasis on streams over the past couple of years with, you know, Jack being really big into them and then Nick, uh, Nick slowly getting into the soul genre a few years ago. Mm. It's the kind of game where you play, watch someone play it. It can be very off-putting if you go in blind with no assistance. But once you get yeah. someone play and uh, you're drinking in the atmosphere, you start watching those impressive boss fights you certainly start to feel like you want to get involved yeah yeah well anyway ash mm -hmm. gives two pounds and says what's your worst jump scare in a non-horror title Ooh. 
the one two super come to mind to me right away uh in outer wilds which we said is has some horror elements but when you first go into the dark bramble oh yeah won't spoil yeah. what happens in there but that is very scary and then uh in i think it was arkham knight uh man bat will just randomly appear when you're gliding on just roofs at some point in the game so you like grapple onto a roof you go to climb up on top of it and suddenly man bat jumps out and does a quick jump scare and you're like i didn't know this thing was even in this game this was terrifying can't really think of anything from video games i remember being shit scared of the ending of uh who framed roger rabbit when i was a kid i don't know if that counts the, the, the guy melting the whole thing with judge doom like his eyes yeah. popping out and his horrible voice yeah, yeah. I yeah, kids stuff to, uh, in the eighties really. Uh, I always had to stop. You. We had that. We had that movie on tape. I always had to stop watching at the bit, like where he gets runs over by the steamroller. Everything yeah. after that was just too much for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how many movies geared towards kids. Like yeah, Gremlins is the same thing where I'm like, this is kind of, kind of a fucked up movie. Yeah, yeah. I think there was like a jump scare in uh, Gremlins Two. I remember kind of freaking me out as well. But in retrospect, yeah. I've realized Gremlins 2 is a very, very silly film. Yes. Agreed. Uh, Gantoris, member for five months in early access, says, what's my favorite season of Red Dwarf? Well, I'd have to say season five was my favorite season of Red Dwarf. What about you, Marty? I've never seen a Red Dwarf in my life. Okay. Just, I, I also think season five is very strong. Well, is there even a season? Did you make that up? Yeah, there's a season five. Okay, good. Thanks, thanks for being a yes man. I guess. <laughs> Amir Al Rami gives nine ninety nine dollars and says, "If you were forced to play a Silent Hill two remake by either Yuji Naka or David Cage, which would you pick? Uh, could I just kill myself? Yeah, you could. Is that, that an option?" That's it's always an option. Yeah, I guess I'd go Yuji um, Naka because I've only seen him try to make cutesy platformers, and uh, and his, they, they're kind of shit. So I'd be interested to see how he approached horror differently. Yeah, I, and uh, <laughs> I think at the very least it would be an interesting train wreck. Whereas giving David Cage the themes of Silent Hill too, like oh god, you know he just gagging. I can, I can picture it. You know he you can you just know he'd try too hard, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he'd do. And everyone would cringe. Well, you got Bluebird team coming up, so enjoy. They're going to try too hard, too. Kid Barchetta gives $2 and says, Will Adventures Die on Location lead to slightly something else live at E323? Kind of doubt it, Kid Barchetta. Although you never know, we might bring the Escapist Expo back. We only yeah. had two of those back in the days of Escapist 1.0. Yeah, now that we have new Papa companies. Yeah, who knows? be nice to do a few more live action panels where people ask me questions directly and i can insult them to their face yeah there's, there's like a there's a different uh sort of flavor to insulting someone right to their face as opposed to doing it uh yeah just one way one way medium it was a lot more fun it's fun to watch their faces fall uh mason sure. Greylong gives five dollars and says i'm working on a horror game how would you create a generally horrifying experience that allows for replayability well, it sounds like you're relying too much on scripted horror by the sounds of it, Mason Greylong, if you're worried about replayability, scripted jump scares and the like. You should focus more on building a continuous atmosphere of oppression and dread, like what Silent Hill does, 
rather than rely on like scripted horror sequences. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about earlier how how a thing like mortuary assistant didn't really work once once the repetition. Um... Yeah, once you understood uh, how it works. I mean, I played through Silent Hill two many many times when I was younger. Yeah, and uh, obviously I I could like recite it off by heart after a while. I knew the exact sequence of everything that happened, but it was still dreadly dreadful and unnerving because yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, and they. Um... You know, a lot of those, uh, you know, Silent Hill or Resident Evil games encourage you with multiple playthroughs. Like Resident Evil 2 did the thing with the character swapping, obviously giving you different stories. But um, mm. also there's like certain weapons and perks you can get only on second playthroughs. Like yeah. Chainsaws and that was the traditional Silent Hill 2 and yeah. other Silent Hill games. Yeah, and giving you weirdo endings. Yeah, put on the sexy costumes in Silent Hill 4. Yep. Not on the main character, obviously. No. I didn't. I didn't think the main character had any costumes in Silent Hill. I think you could just find something that gave his like female sidekick and the other female character like sexy outfits, which yeah, a little bit sounds like Japan. It was a little bit backward. Yeah. Come to think of it, it was only Silent Hill three that had like different costumes for the main character, and that, and because the main character was female in that game. Yeah, yeah. Although, if you, it's funny. I remember this. If you enter the Konami code on the title screen of Silent Hill three. Then, as you play through the game, like your main like male psychic character plays through the whole game in his underpants. So oh, funny! Go. I didn't even know that. Equal opportunity. Clever. There uh, you go. <clears throat> uh, Bajango gives five dollars. Says I can watch horror movies all day, but horror games I can't play at all. I curl up and turn into a baby and put off playing them forever. Yeah, that's my point because they're so much more yeah. effective. I remember. Yeah, I would have met- I remember when I was a kid, like my brother was playing through Quake, and uh, he told me to like play through it for a bit. But I just was felt too paralyzed to move because there might be a shamble around the next corner, and I couldn't, and I couldn't cope. Yeah, I guess it's having to make that conscious decision in order to, like you said, turn a corner or, or enter a room. Uh, mm. Whereas the decision is made for you in a movie, you have no, you know, yeah. you have no way of, of. I guess books would be the other thing. You have to literally turn the page. But I've never, yeah. I've never, maybe, like, I read a lot of horror books, and none of them have ever like legitimately I've, scared me in the same I've, way movies yeah. or TV or games have. I've never felt too scared to turn a page. Yeah, I have hesitated about opening a door in a video mm-hmm. game, and uh, or, or, watching walk, the last act of Serbian film, or walk down an entire corridor with my face pressed up against the wall in a video game. Yeah, because I knew <laughs> they were going to jump scare me, and I'd figured out their tricks. There you go. Uh, Michael Wolf, member for 30 months in bonus content, says, Yahtzee, why does Bloober Team suck at horror games? I remember in one of your reviews you said something about a kicked up the arse. I don't know. They've never really worked for me. They've always, like, uh, done horror walking simulators. Mm-hmm. And um, I think because for a lot of the games, they sort of lose a sense of reality, so it's hard to get a feel uh, like a sense of 
uh, the sense of connection you need from horror to feel like you know that we understand the stakes and uh, what sort of danger we're in and what we can do to avoid it. For a lot of their walking sims like Layers of Fear and Layers of Fear 2 and like the uh, walking sim bits in The Observer. Yeah, I thought The Observer was their most was their best attempt at least. I think so, yeah. But uh, for a lot of those sequences, you just don't get a sense of like uh, continuity, I suppose. Yeah, it all, it all feels just like that... random, like just walking forwards through the the hall of mirrors stuff. Yeah, and I think the monster in the medium is oh, yeah, probably yeah. like the biz- biggest example of a thing that just becomes annoying mechanically and yeah. loses all sort of potency. And there didn't really feel like any sort of challenge at all it still felt like we were just pressing forwards the whole time yeah. nothing was really stopping yeah. uh, da, 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 da. uh 40 rupees from ad and says hey yards do you think you're a bad friend that's a weird question ad <laughs> i don't i don't know you'd have to ask one of my friends yeah i feel I like everyone I'm, thinks I, they're a good friend i guess i'm bad at replying to texts is ad trying to text you and then you're not you're not replying not to my knowledge okay but uh, he's not my friend he's mm-hmm. like two letters on the internet but a powerful combination of letters uh yeah it was a pretty weird question let me be honest uh got a couple of member chats clover and Aeneas, member for three months in early access says the best horror is foreshadowed horror if you say so I mean, I always felt like if you if you know a jump scare is about to happen, that sort of ruins it for me. The only time I appreciate jump scares is when I wasn't expecting it. That's why I can't stand playing Five Nights at Freddy's. I have anxiety. If I know like the game's about to jump scare me, I just can't, you know, it, it's really uncomfortable for me. Yeah. I prefer yeah. it to be just minding my own business, and then something goes, and I go, oh, you got me. Well, <laughs> oh, well played game. Just an immediate transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Bag of Decks, member for six months in early access, says random shout out for side quest. Love the new guys. Oh, hey, that's so relevant because yeah. uh, the new episode of Side Quest came out last weekend and will be released to the pub general public this weekend. And that's the one that you're on, isn't it? It is. Yes, it's uh, it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, episodes two and three are uh, even better. And then yes. uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's if you're uh, a member on YouTube or if you're a patron, which I think we're less than fifty patrons away from hitting our goal of you and Jack playing um, Pulsar Lost Colony, which is very yeah. exciting. Get in um, on that. Yeah, and then everyone will be able to check out SideQuest this weekend and check it out yeah. because uh, there have been some 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 rumors and some scuttlebutt that some of the events at the end of SideQuest and some of the events at the end of season two are going to somehow come together with some of the characters. Ooh. And I'm being very vague, because I actually don't know what the plans are. But I think there's some of that stuff going on. What are we getting to in reference? For, for newcomers, Adventures Nigh is our D&D actual play series, which is mostly me, uh, Casey, Jesse, Amy, playing a four-man party with Jack as mm-hmm. the DM. But Side Quest is a new side thing happening in the same universe, in mm-hmm. which Marty, Jemate will and uh, jack's friend live play a side adventure with some new completely new characters and there might be some crossover uh, yes. further down the line and there'll be three episodes of side quest and then we'll be back to finishing off season two with the the core party yep. yeah the dream and team season three season three our goal is to film it in person live in yes, beautiful we wanna, sunny milwaukee wisconsin we want to shoot season three in person rather than over zoom because it's a 
always a pain in the ass uh, getting our schedules all lined up. Agreed. And we need a lot of money because Amy needs to fly out from Australia. Pretty much half that goal is for Amy. Yes. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, David Bateman gives $5 and says, Unrelated, but Marty, your side quest character name sounds like a bootleg Woody Woodpecker laugh and had been stitches just hearing it. Love it. Uh, so uh, maybe these restaurants don't exist anymore. My character's name is Buca di Beppo. Do you, do you, yeah. are you familiar with the Italian restaurant Buca di Beppo? No, I just liked the name. Hmm. Uh, Buca di Beppo was a real shitty family style Italian restaurant. Um, like Olive Garden. I, I, yeah, like Olive Garden, but more like you, you get these like massive plates. It's almost like you go there for like, like, uh, like bar mitzvahs and, 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 I don't know why I went to bar mitzvahs first, but you know, you go there for almost like for occasions. Yeah. 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 No, I never heard of those. How, how defunct is that? Is that, is that blockbuster defunct? I think it might be blockbuster defunct. There was one in, uh, in San Francisco in Soma, uh, but it closed down probably like uh, six or seven years ago. Way before my time in San Francisco. Yes. Uh, Matthew Adkins gives $5 and says, here's some money to get Henry Winkler as a special guest for Adventurers Nigh. I don't know how the fuck you expect us to swing that with five bucks, Matthew Adkins. Uh, maybe he, maybe he's always hanging out at his bronze statue of the Fonz in Milwaukee. So maybe if we just go, if you go there during a full moon, it's actually him just kicked in bronze instead of the statue. Jack's hung out with a bunch of celebrities. He must be able yeah. to like wangle someone. <laughs> He's hung out with like Pat Oswald and uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin and shit. So he's like, well, he's got to be one one step away from from Henry Winkler. I mean, Pat Oswald might as well do it. But he's in fucking everything else. Yeah, I think he's he's probably busy. Uh, Doron Grossman Naples gives two dollars and says, "Any thoughts on big mode?" That's the first time I've ever seen that word, Doron. Uh, I believe Doran Gross Naples, is... as I like to call you. Big Mode is Donkey's publishing label. Oh, that, yes. yes. Now, now that you've mentioned that, I know what it is, yes. Mm -hmm. Actually, like, I've been like, floating the idea of sort of submitting Starstruck Vagabond to that. Wouldn't that oh. be a nice fit, wouldn't it? A wonderful two, little team up. Two video game YouTube reviewers, one now a publisher, one now a developer, joining forces. But uh, you know, I guess I'm. I guess I want to see if that works out for him because I don't know how good he is at game publishing. Yeah, what sort of I mean, like think, uh, talent pool he's drawing off there. I mean, I I, I hope it ends up being a success because I think people giving money to cool indie games is great. Um, is, yeah, and so and, uh, yeah. there's a bit of a growth industry indie publishers at the moment. Mm -hmm. There's quite a few popping up. Yep, something one needs to wrangle them all. Uh, Papa Howell gives $5 and says, wait, the donation goal isn't Marty Needs More Hawaiian Shirts Fund. Well, we might it's, if we do a live recording of your D&D &D party and uh, you want to do it in costume. Yes. We, <laughs> yeah, my character also has a Hawaiian shirt. Inside yeah, I noticed us. that. Um, yeah, um, I, I really like the role play, right? Sure. Me too. That's why my character is an asshole. <laughs> Louise Tarrant gives eight ninety nine pounds and says, "Here's some cash for the adventure goal." Also, been binge watching the Metal Gear Solid playthroughs. Casey and Marty's commentary has been solid gold. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're on Metal Gear Solid Four now. 
Ooh. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we got all the way here. And I can't believe we're actually doing four, which has a lot of cutscenes. Let me tell hey, you. Hey, we went we got over fifteen percent at some point. Hey, thank you so much, chat. Can we make it to sixteen percent by the end of the season? Impossible. Chat? Yeah, I don't think this this chat's up to it. Oh no, they we're doing seem, the thing where you're negging them. Yeah, they seem like a bunch of wasters to me. Wasters? Yeah. They've also given so much already. Well, that just goes to show, doesn't it? That's all they could scrape up. Lord Mars gives 20 Canadian dollars and says, Yati, I've been watching ZP for majority of my life at this point. Oh, that makes me feel old. So I'm curious, how do you retain your opinions near verbatim on some games after such a long time? Happy Canadian Thanksgiving. Well, I like to think uh, while I have had certain opinions for a long time, I've also come around on some things, <laughs> opinion-wise. Like, uh, I would never... I've called myself like uh, anyone who might play a car game when I first started Zero Punctuation or a racing game. But I've played a few racing games that make me think uh, that done well. I can get, really get into that sort of thing. Driver San Francisco was in my top five of that year. Nice. Or similarly, I never saw my, considered myself someone who was interested in JRPGs until uh, I started getting into Persona 5 and a couple of other ones. Yeah, I feel like, you know, someone who, like, stubbornly sticks to their opinions regardless of new experiences is sort of person who votes Republican. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really have to, like, if, if you haven't uh, changed your mind on any piece of art or any genres over the past 15 years, you should you should go back should, and, and yeah. try to figure that out, because you probably should have. Yeah. Experience more new things. Get out more. Mm -hmm. Get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Extend your comfort zone. Uh, Phil Myanus. That's not. Is that, that different than Phil Myass up? Is that a different person to Phil Myass up? It, I think gives, it is. Gives 50 CZKs, whatever they are, possibly from the Czech Republic, but I'm not sure. My okay. favorite horror games are those that make me depressed, not necessarily scared. Like Spec Ops or Dark Souls. Which type of horror do you two prefer? Well, I'm not sure I'd say depressed, but um, yeah, along the same lines, I prefer horror that gives me a sort of uh, ongoing sense of oppression and a dread. Yeah, I think that's that's the most uh, long-lasting emotion, right? Um, mm. That's that's the sort of thing that sticks with you long after uh, long after you play something, as opposed to like we were talking about, sort of jump scares. Yeah. Um, that was, that was yeah. Most, yeah, mostly something that uh, can kind of can kind of dig in and, and is something that my mind continually wanders back to. Like if I'm still thinking about something a week, month, year after I played it, then I know uh, it, did, it did something well. Well, there's something that relies on gore and shock can do that. If only to make oh, you sure, go, yeah. that must have hurt. I mean, you brought up the Serbian film and I, yeah. I had a very visceral reaction to that. So I don't think that's a good movie, but it's one I definitely remember. Were you sick? Uh, I wasn't sick. I just I uh, made me uh, scared to have children. All righty. Yeah. Well, I doubly will not watch that film then. Oh yeah. Oh, oh my God. Do not watch that movie if you have kids. <laughs> uh, Clover and Aeneas. Yeah, something happens to your brain once you've had kids. I mean, I was watching like that Sandman series, yeah. and there's a bit where Death claims a small baby, and you know, before I had kids, I would been pretty neutral to it, but it sort of yeah. really got to me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, I, I, it's a pretty normal thing with parents, right? I never thought of babies as cute. 
But now that I've had a couple, I now see babies as cute. It does a thing to your brain. I always thought babies yeah. looked like little pudgy old men. Now I think babies are cute. What do you know? What do you know? <laughs> Turns out you can change your opinion on things. You're a softie now. Oh, and to let people know, we're, the movie is literally called a Serbian film. We're not talking yeah. about some nebulous Serbian film. Um, although I don't know any, although I don't know any other experience. Serbian films, to be honest. Uh, agreed. I don't think I could name a actual Serbian film, and I don't think a Serbian film is a Serbian film, actually. Well, that's so. just cruel to Serbia, if you ask me. <laughs> Anyway, Clover and Aeneas, uh, yes, I already said your names. You have been waiting for me to read your super chat. And uh, I've just been tangenting the whole time. And I'm indeed continuing to do so. So you must be getting very annoyed at this point. You give $2 to say, also, wow, it's been three months already. Cheers, lads. Oh, thank you so much. Well, that, was worth, the well, that was worth the wait. Snake in the <laughs> garden, member for 14 months, but no message. Thank just you so tip, much, Eve. Just in tip jar. Uh, Patent Pike gives $5 and says, Oh, what do you know? Have you heard about the upcoming game, Scorn? It looks properly unsettling and very visceral feeling, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Heard about, played it, reviewing it. Ooh. So there, because I'm in the know. You are. You are truly in the know. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I actually I haven't played any of it yet. I just know it comes out, um, I think, next week, and it's on Game Pass, which is neat. So if you have Game Pass, there you go. It's free. It's on the... icky. Look, icky. Oh, it's icky. It's a it's a okay, jolly icky it. game. It's a ew. <laughs> yeah, it's very much an ew scenario. <laughs> Toffee, what are you doing? Toffee keeps digging on the couch. I think he's trying to get under something. Yeah, like secret, just... you got secret little hot dogs under the couch? No. Uh, that one bloke gives five euros and says, Yeah, so given you reviewed the latter yonks ago, do you think a Terminator game built with the philosophy of alien <laughs> isolation could work well? Um, yeah, sure. I think Terminators are pretty fucking demystified as a monster these days. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you could definitely slap that particular branding onto something like Alien Isolation, where you're like a, a lost child in the post-apocalypse trying to avoid a Terminator who's like stalking through an abandoned building. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the, the Terminator movies ever since the first have become less and less like the first one is kind of a horror movie whereas, you know, they just become action movies after that, so which I guess you could say is a similar thing with the Alien franchise. Um, I think Terminator I just, yeah, 2's uh, I'd say Terminator 2 might be more action horror. Yeah, in the same way that like Aliens is sci-fi action, as opposed to just. I guess that's how you. That's how you can ramp stuff up. Yeah. Although I do, I still remember that scene in Terminator 2 where he pulls his arm off to show to the, to the. Dude. Oh yeah, yeah. That was okay. pretty horrific. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Shinevar Shinevar. Member for two months in bonus content uses their member chat to say one issue with some horror games is lack of gameplay shakeup. Something like Outlast works well for a while, but just becomes frustration at a point. Well, that, perhaps that's another reason why short horror games do so well. Yeah, yeah. Outlast is also a game. Uh, I I only played the first one, but I, if I'm not mistaken, it doesn't add a single new mechanic. 
after yeah, like really. the opening. It's it's barely got mechanics at all. It's just yeah. I mean, it's like things. you find some batteries to give you yeah. camera juice. Um, but yeah, that's a game that made an incredible first impression, and um, then I, I I think very quickly kind of loses its luster. Like it was and an I, amazing demo. Yeah, and I hated the sequel, Outlast Two. Yeah, they're working on a like a multiplayer one, I think now. Outlast Trials or something like that. Fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, Alex gives five dollars and says, "How do we not have a Fatal Frame designed for the Switch or VR yet?" I don't know. Why don't you ask Goei Tecmo? Yeah, they're they're porting a Fatal, an older Fatal Frame that never came to the states over to Switch, but I don't think it's like using the Switch as your camera, that kind of thing. Um, it, they did yeah, one on I mean, the Wii U, and it was really suited for that. Oh yeah, just about the only game that was suited to the that, to the Wii U that thing. actually utilized it well. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's 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 a series that um, I feel like in terms of horror franchises is just below Resident Evil and, and Silent Hill, but never gets the same amount of love or attention. Well, as I say, that last Fatal Frame, Maiden of Blackwater, I think it was called, yeah. was a Koei, Koei Tecmo game, and as a result, was weird about tits. There were ghosts with right. there were ghosts with tits, and there was a central mechanic, basically based around wet t-shirt contests. Oh, excellent! Yeah, loving, loving, really loving it. Um, horror VR too is like seems like a, a new like a, a a new paradigm that could be too much. Probably a, little, a bit a much, much for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Long um, Dong Silver. Sorry, did you have something else to add? Oh no, I was just, uh, someone in chat said. Uh, the real DJ said Fatal Frame 4, the one that's being ported, was co-designed by Suda. Really? Oh, hmm. that's, that's what they say. I didn't know that. So that'd be neat. I don't think he's ever really done... Well, I guess you could say, like, Killer7 had sort of horror elements to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, co-director uh, Goichi Suda. Interesting. Huh. Well, there you go. Uh, I guess he's, he's like, own IPs aren't doing so well. He has to job out every now and again yeah this one was i mean because it was a wii game originally so that it came out a long 2008 originally anyway long dong silver gives five dollars and says watched a video interview with sweary 65 and learned some jolly interesting facts that i'd like to share over several super chats well yay be my guest long dong silver and he goes on to do that he gives another five dollars and says there's a canadian bar in the Taiyuji area of Japan that Swery has gone to for more than 10 years. Uh, then another $5 to say the bartender there taught Swery English and shared several of his stories from Canada with Swery, who used some of them as inspiration for his games. How the, how the fuck long was Swery hanging around that bar that the bartender had time to teach him English? I, f I follow Swery on Instagram, and he's always drinking at a bar. So I think his his uh, his casual alcoholism may have helped in this relationship. I mean, I mean, he says he was going there for 10 years, but you'd have to be like sitting at the bar for hours. Yeah. To, like to be able to learn things effectively. <laughs> Although I did that. I used to do that sort of thing. I'd just go oh, to yeah. a small bar and sit at the bar and chat to the staff oh. while drinking. Long Dong Silver gives $10 and says... Swery oh. wanted Deadly Premonitions 1 set in Canada, but the producers argued it would make more money if it was set in the USA. Swery compromised by setting it in Seattle, which is close to Canada. I didn't it's realize... pretty much like American Canada. I didn't realize it was set in Seattle. It was set in the... I would say it was set in Washington, because, you know, it's, it's not in the Twin city. Peaksy thing? Yeah, it's in a yeah. small town. Uh, Pablo Pseudonym. Welcome to Early Access. Very clever. 
Spencer Trumborg is $10 and says, In Russian Federation, horse rides Vladimir Putin. Is the YouTube censoring Russian Federation now? Because he's put a load of like symbols in the in the in the words. I don't, I don't know. Is it is it? Uh, can you not write Vladimir Putin either? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it seems a bit preemptive to like treat it like uh, Hitler. Yeah, and there's you can still name people Vladimir. Vladimir is not like Adolf. Yeah, <laughs> like the yeah. Vladimir name isn't poison. I feel like some people probably still call their, their kids Adolf. I mean, Adolf yeah. was never a common name outside of Germany. Yeah. I mean, it could be like just the equivalent of John there. I don't know. John Hitler. Yeah. Well, Hitler, granted, no one's going to be called Hitler anymore. No. Way to ruin a last name, Hitler. Yeah. In many ways, it was the worst thing he did. <clears throat> Let's read the next one. Pliskin gives four ninety nine and says, support for the team's goal. Keep up the great work. Oh, we're only at 15.44%. I don't think we'll be getting to 16% on this chat. I told you they were wasters. Pliskin, I think you're great. Thank you for saving New York and Los Angeles in your films. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hang on, lots of plays. Uh, Dimitri, I believe. Is the next uh, one? Uh, how the chat scrolling is really weird. Okay. Pliskin gives one. Oh, we just did that one. Uh, Dimitri, yes. Five Canadian dollars to say, Great horror for me is the fear of the bulge, not the exposed willy. Jesus. Oh, what a... <laughs> What a colourful way of uh, way of ana analogising right. it, Dimitri. Could you both cite any examples that bolster that fear as well as sanity meters? Uh, <laughs> the fear of the bulge. I mean, that's that's uh, just a crude way of what uh, uh, the 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 Hitchcock thing, right? right. The anticipation, right. not yeah, the bang, the suspense, the bomb under the uh, table. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's almost I think all. Most of the horror that both of us like is the is the the kind of the the, the build up and the atmosphere. Um, the, you also mentioned the, sanity meters, though. That's uh, we didn't we didn't mention Eternal Darkness at all, which is uh, one oh, yeah, yeah. pretty pretty major example of a thing that again is very strange that has never uh, never appeared outside of the mm. the GameCube. Well, one example from Silent Hill Two I always cite in terms of nice little touches to like build the fear. Is that when you're walking down like the forest path at the start of the game to get to Silent Hill, it's all like quiet mm. and eerie. But as you're walking, like the sound of your footsteps suddenly gets like overlaid with another sound of footsteps. Oh, so, that's uh, which are sort of perfectly timed with your footsteps. But it, that if you stop, those footsteps stop as well. Mm-hmm to give you the impression like there's something following you and it's trying to match your footsteps so you don't figure out it's there but you could you know it's there I that's, that's a that's really, really neat. well done yeah that's a really neat little uh little touch 
And specifically the fact that it stops if you stop. Like it doesn't continue playing the sound effects if you stop. Ah, uh, oh, that's creepy. I like that's it. A, that's a very, very nice touch, I thought. Uh, Rob Mace, member for five months, says, recently played AW. Uh, Alan Wake. Alan Wake. Thank you. Terrible gameplay, great story. Yeah, I guess I could see how you draw that opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here he is. Uh, here he oh. is. Fill my ass up shows up. Oh, wow. There's a fill my ass and fill my anus. Yeah. We're making Incredible. a collection with 200 Norwegian kroner to say the opening level of Knights of the Old Republic 2 scared me so much I was unable to complete it due to frequent bathroom breaks. I feel like horror elements favor shorter experiences so as not to cheapen the effectiveness of it. Okay. Uh, the opening level of Knights of the Old Republic 2? I, I don't think I ever played that game. So I just I don't, don't know what happened what, there. What, it was scary? I was unable to complete uh scared me so much i i just don't remember anything scary about that i mean it's just a bioware rpg so i don't know was it was it scary mm. uh pablo's pseudonym gives two dollars says what's your favorite horror game besides silent hill obviously Doh. <laughs> um amnesia dark descent maybe i really like the sequel uh, machine for pigs i really like uh what this the, not the gameplay the gameplay kind of sucked but the story yeah. that was incredible i really like the the reveal at the end and how he went fucking nuts thinking about how his kids were going to die in world war one that he wanted yeah. to just destroy the whole world yeah it certainly stays with you that one yeah uh, eternal um, dead, darkness. Space, dead space is great eternal darkness was another one i played a lot of and resident evil mm -hmm. 4 as well yeah. not just a great horror game a great landmark game in action games generally Agreed. Uh, Krashnikov gives 20 Swedish kroner, says the Rimworld Baby Meat Farm springs to mind. The Rimworld Baby Meat Farm. Fun. I don't, this was either when we were talking about gross stuff or um, horror and non-horror games, probably. Yeah. I don't know if I want to Google Baby Meat Farm. Joey Parkhill gives $5, says, what's the worst of the first four Silent Hill games in your opinion, Yancey? Well. Not many people come with me on this, but I actually think of Silent Hill 3 as the worst of the first four. The one mm, I didn't like. It was still good, just the one I liked the least. Mm. Silent Hill 1's like the original, it's the classic. Silent Hill 2, obviously, is the best. And I rate Silent Hill 4 higher because I really like the, the, the themes and the plot and some of the atmosphere building and the imagery in that game. Silent Hill yeah. 3, I just feel, suffers from trying to like continue the slightly camp cult plot from the first game. Feels like yeah. Silent Hill should be above that sort of continuity. Yeah, I feel like uh, replaying Silent Hill 1 now, I'm enjoying it, but I just feel like Silent Hill 2 does everything but better. So like, if I had to get rid of one, I'd probably just choose one. I'd probably um, agree with that. Yeah. But obviously all four of the uh, first four are better than all the Silent Hill games that came after. Uh, Loki, Loki, Loki. Gives 50 ah. Swedish kroner and says, Something so dumb that I'm not even going to read it out loud. Ah. Waka waka. Which was actually the text of the super chat. So he was trying to create some confusion there. It did. It worked. Uh, Malika7862 gives $9.99 and says, Hey Yahtzee, hypothetical question. If you had the budget and resources, what sort of horror game would you develop? Also, I'm excited to listen to Existentially Challenged. Keep up the great work, guys. Well... I would want to make a low-key indie horror game like all my other ones because I like having a sense of creative control 
So uh, budget rules is not really an issue. I've been thinking he, of making. Uh, I've been thinking of like making a sequel to Consuming Shadow that uses uh, something's in the seas, exploring the deep ocean mechanic. But that's uh, you know just an idea penciled in. Have you have After you I've done horror, have you done horror before, whether in games or like? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I've done, I made loads of horror games. Oh. I like making horror games. So after I finished like Starstruck Vagabond, I got like 900 ideas for the next game. But that's like one of the big contenders. More spookies? Underwater yeah. spookies? Deep sea spookies? Beyond the consuming shadow, I'm going to call it. It's going to use the consuming shadows, roguelike like uh, logic puzzle elements, which I thought was one of the game's biggest strengths. But with more like ocean exploration and uh, stuff like something in the seas gameplay. Mr. Black Darkness 666 gives two euros and says, Yats, can you still recite Mary's letter from memory? In my restless dreams, I see that town, Silent Hill. You promised you'd take me there again someday, but you never did. Well, I'm alone there now, in our special place, waiting for you. Oh, so there's a full, I don't think I could recite the full letter. I could have a go, but that would be spoilery. Uh, Obi-Wan <laughs> Dahomey. Obi-Wan Dahomey gave us $4.99 and says, Hate horror games. I spend too much time yelling at movies, don't open the door. Why would I want to be in control of opening the door and being eaten? It's yeah, because you feel alive. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it would be your thing, Obi-Wan Dahomey. Yeah. Although it kind of sounds like things in general aren't your thing. Maybe you should just keep watching Avengers movies and eating McDonald's food. <laughs> wow! Obi, I think you're great. Thank you so much for the donation. And if you like Avengers movies, you should check out Werewolf by Night, which is the new Marvel thing that's kind of spooky. Okay. Thank you for that balance there. You're welcome. Wesley Thomas gives five Canadian dollars and says, I get why people pay so much for Super Chats now. Like most things, it's more fun when you tip. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's... Sure. You, you, and you did yes. great. You did perfect, Wesley. Well done. You tipped like a pro. Uh, Clover and Deneus come back to give $2 and says, Horror you can see coming with hindsight, I mean. Oh, that okay. was in, in in relation to the comment earlier. Okay. I'm I like really... that. Horror, yeah, stuff that, like, uh, gains new... I think, that, I mean, that's just good storytelling in general is when something that you didn't think was going to be important early on ends up gaining some sort of weight through hindsight. Well, that's just classic principle of storytelling, isn't it? The yeah. old Chekhov's gun. Mm -hmm. uh, Will Cooling, member for 30 months in the tip jar. No message. Thank uh, you so Member for 30 months is a lot of months, though. Is a lot of months. Good on you. Uh, Paul Says, member for 10 months in early access. Uses member chat to say, say Nick is poo-poo. Well, I just said it. You said it, yeah. I'll I'll say to you, I'll I'll give you both of us. Nick Nick is poo poo. There you go. It's yeah. confirmed. Uh, Red Beer member for four months in bonus content says the scariest game is Something in the Sea by some not well known indie developer who made the game in one month. Oh, you crawling bastard, Red Beer. Oh, talk about Botty Licky. Is this your alt? Well, Something in the Sea was like the one of the few breakout games from my dev diary. 
uh, collection, if only because mm-hmm. uh, Manly Badass Hero did a video on it, who's like a semi-popular short horror game YouTuber. Oh, nice. But yeah, I think there was a lot of strength in that game. There were a lot of things that could have improved it as well, but was the case with pretty much all the Dev Diary games, because that's what happens when you only have a month. That's why I want to, like, you know, develop it further. Mm But Django gives $5 and says, Open world Terminator game, a la the original, trying to save Sarah Connor. Unstoppable machine, plus make the whole thing an escort quest, true horror. Oh, I don't want to do an escort quest. Mm. I mean, some horror games do escort. Like, Ashley, I guess, is fine. Well, you know why Ashley worked? Because she knew when to get the fuck out of the way. That's true. She would she would duck when you pointed. Yeah, Genius. she didn't. She didn't try to help. Yeah. That was the problem with what's her name in Resident Evil Five. She kept using all my fucking health items because I'd lost like one bit of health. <laughs> uh, I think we're getting towards the end now. Yeah, yes, Spencer, you'll have. Yes, Tom, you'll have your walk soon. Spencer Trumbull gives two dollars and says, "Yes, my first attempt at naming him was blocked." Oh, that was the Putin thing. Oh, I see. Uh, no, so I guess we can't. Sorry about that. Can't say Putin. Patent Pike says, "As parents, do you worry about the prevalence of paid loot boxes in games marketed at kids? It bothers me how much they come up in my kids' nieces' games." Are you a parent? I'm definitely not a parent. I would be a terrible parent. Um, um I uh, guess it's in the back of my mind. It's not going to be relevant for a while yet because my kids don't even have like the manual dexterity to play any kind of video game. Yeah. I mean, I tried giving her one of the controllers to try out Mario Odyssey. She just, you know, pushing the stick in a specific direction is still kind of lost on her at the moment. Yeah. No, it is, uh, like, I, I definitely kind of empathize with that. Like, it would be a shitty thing to be able to be, like, worry uh, about which games your kids can play because they're riddled with microtransactions. And, you know, not only do you not want to could, pay could that I... fucking money on accident, but you don't want to, uh, you know, sort of support games like that. Could I pause you a second? Yeah, of course. Could you like Phil for a second? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll absolutely Phil. Um, yeah, I know, like, uh, Casey's talked about it before, because Casey obviously has a, a, a son who's, um, you know, of age of playing all these games, and it's, I don't know, it's just something that, I don't know, I guess you... As a as a parent, like anything, you have to be mindful of what you're allowing your kids to, you know, to watch, whether it's on YouTube or, you know, the cartoons and everything. And yeah, in a perfect world, like when we were growing up, those sort of microtransactions didn't really exist in games. So, well, you know, when I would get a game as a kid, my parents didn't have to worry about me, like somehow clicking a bunch of things and then suddenly uh, we're, we're paying a shit ton of money for extra lives in Super Mario World. Um Okay, I'm back you know, now. It's... There was a, there was a brief household emergency. You solved it very quickly. Yeah, it's ongoing, but you know, it's in control. Okay, okay. well that's good. Um, well, we can we only have a few left, so we can we can wrap up quickly. Okay. Uh, Will Cooling gives two dollars and says different coloured shirt yards. Is it? Is it? It's one of my old. I guess uh, the lighting might be slightly different. There you go. Yeah. Uh, did you play SF6, Marty? I did. I played uh, the beta. Street Fighter 6 beta was over the weekend. Let me tell you, game seems really neat. I'm also complete dog shit at fighting games, especially when I get paired with sweaty people who are very good at them. So uh, I'm looking forward to playing it more uh, against people who are as bad as I am. I do like that term, sweaty. Yeah. Still waiting to see that come up more often in common parlance. 
Yeah, exactly. Boo Radley seven four two member for twenty months in early access, which is also quite a lot of months, although not quite as many as thirty. Don't know if it's been mentioned, but Subnautica equals spooky. Yes, it is. Boo Radley seven four two. We weren't just going to name every fucking horror game. Yeah, (laughs) there's also just an inherent like fear of the deep sea, um, which I certainly have, even though I'm probably never going to have to find myself in the deep sea. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a you know, a similar sort of fear as, as Outer Wilds. It's a spooky game. I don't know if it's meant to be spooky, but it's definitely spooky. Oh, Marty, we've got a deep red donation. I, I saw. I saw. A deep Ooh, red donation no, from, from Long Dong Silver, who gives, brace yourselves, $108.11. Oh my gosh. And says, darn it, I got you to 17% and not 16%. Please forgive me. As penance, I'll share another thing I learned recently. The director of Silent Hill 1 and both Forbidden Siren games went on to make the Gravity Rush games. Mm. That's right, yeah. And uh, is uh, currently directing Slitterhead, which is that new um, Japanese horror game by a ton of the folks who worked on like Team Silent and, and Team Siren and stuff. So Ooh, nice. um, that feels like, if anything, that's the biggest spiritual successor to Silent Hill we're going to get. It's just the thing that it's named Slitterhead, which what are we mm. doing? Like, why, why are we calling games Slitterhead? What are we doing? Is it like Slenderman, but with scissors? Uh, yeah, it's like a lot of, uh, 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 it's like spooky, spooky Japanese horror. Fair enough. And, um, uh, well, thanks very much for that donation. Yes. What a big donation. that's incredible. Goes to to show shaming them and negging them is the tactic that works. I thought killing them with kindness worked. Yeah, well, see if you, see how kindness turns away the invading Russian forces oh no spoiler alert it doesn't <laughs> don't spoil it we haven't gotten there yet and uh i think that'll be it yeah uh so thanks for watching slightly something else i was yatsy crucial i was joined by marty sleever Thank you uh, so all your much, donations are going towards adventure is nigh season three being shot on location next year and i think we're well on the way to reach the goal within the next 80 days thanks you all for helping us out with that remember to watch adventure is nice side quest on saturday if you don't have a youtube membership or a mm-hmm. patreon subscription or right now if you do uh, i'll be back on wednesday for zero punctuation which will be on the subject of proteus the mm boomer shooter that recently came off early access you said that's like peak boomer shooter right yeah yeah so uh we'll see y'all there i hope what else we got coming up this week uh later today at uh in two hours from now uh, we'll be continuing jack's uh jaw run through uh elden ring he is now at malekith which is a very tough boss fight for anyone uh mostly for his character and then uh later tonight uh jesse and uh casey will be streaming a game called paradigm i had to look it up because i don't know what it is for hidden gems hmm. so check that out and then yeah all the regular streams throughout the week will have um um uh, uh get jesse to the creek and more metal gear solid and the recap and and break out and all that good stuff and then you're gonna have a new ep on thursday i believe as well uh for right. members yes for members. yeah cool all sorts of good uh, stuff everyone else has to wait a week but if you're not yes. if you're not a member yet what are you doing and shame, uh shame, shame. one last donation in from clover and anais for two dollars <laughs> who says negging does work we're a predictable lot Aren't you just, Glover and Uh, 
All right. I'll, oh, and another one. The dogmatic director gives $2 and says, does the adult nursery in Yakuza count as horror? No, it 100%. doesn't. 100%. That was just a big comedy sequence, you silly. Terrifying. Big, scary babies. Well, comedy and horror go together. I do. I'll, I'll yeah. grant you. They pair well. And, uh, okay, that'll be it. We'll be off. Bye. Bye, everyone.